under the sunlight and you think about all you've got to do but maybe today was never really Hi, my name is Len Bellello, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Wit and Wisdom, the podcast that talks to people who are modern midlifers and exploring their passions and interests, either full-time or part-time. Now, the difference here is that our guests have the life experience to know what they love, yet they still possess the physical, mental, and spiritual vibrancy to achieve it. Now, let's say you're very good at what you do. And you have years of experience and great skills in your field, but maybe you're in the public or private sector, and you know you wish you could have a similar role, but apply your skills and experience to something that you really feel strongly about, that you're passionate about. Now, oftentimes, this can lead to a transition to the nonprofit sector. Dr. David Garvey is our guest today, and for over a decade, he's helped people do exactly that. And it's very exciting. You see, David founded and is the leader of the Encore Connecticut program at the University of Connecticut. Now, the Latin word for Encore is revocare. And that Latin word means to call again or to recall to life or bring back. And it implies a positive transition. And the Encore program at UConn does exactly that. You see, It's a nationally recognized program that assists corporate and public sector professionals in transition to opportunities in the nonprofit sector. Now, it's a very interesting program, and the great thing about the program is that the participants, who are called fellows, it allows them to build a solid network in the nonprofit world while learning to translate their skills and their experience from corporate to an organization or a field that they have a lot of passion about. Now, these people are clearly reinventing themselves, and Dr. David Garvey is the one that provides the guidance and the structure so this can all happen. And we are very happy to have him here and for him to share his story about the program. Now, before we do that, this podcast is brought to you by Wisdom Essentials. They are a company that is on the forefront of tapping the power and healing nature of CBD and other plant-based botanicals. Now, I'm sure you've heard a lot about CBD. Now, the founders of Wisdom Essentials are Dennis Keene and Tom Lamb, and they started this company because it's personal for them. You see, they had a very good friend who was in pain for much of his adult life, and all their products are meant to minimize pain naturally, as well as helping to improve things like sleep, and focus. So please, after you listen to this podcast, please check them out at wisdomessentials.com. And there you'll see the different selection of CBD-based products that are great for a sense of well-being, a sense of calm, and a natural way to minimize pain. And Dave, I know you're up in Connecticut. I want to welcome you to the Wit and Wisdom podcast. You know, the podcast is about and for people that are exploring passions in their life. And this often means making changes in their life. So appreciate that you're uh, taking the time to join us today. Oh, happy to be here. And, you know, Dave and I were talking yesterday. Dave is in Connecticut, but grew up in Rhode Island. And uh, for those of us uh, that remember the movie with Dudley Moore called Arthur, we had a little kind of fun joke that, you know, uh, Dudley said in the movie that I guess he was dating a princess from a very, very small country, and to emphasize how small the country was, 
he said that Rhode Island could kick its ass in a war. Uh, <laughs> what what can I say? You know, Rhode Island has uh, a lot of assets. So <laughs> <laughs> they recently had the co- the country carpeted, but no, anyway. But to get on to some, uh, you know, the real reason we're here, and it's really interesting because. You know, these times are a changing, as they say, but you run and you founded, did you, you founded the Encore program at UConn? Uh, co-founded it co-founded with it. Uh, my colleague, Linda Friedman. Got it. So what you do there is you help, you know, people from the corporate sector, from the public sector, transition into the nonprofit sector and probably a lot of things to talk about as far as the types of people that you get. But I'd really like to know how, what made you kind of want to help people do this? We got the inspiration back. We started out, our our first program was in 2010. And that was, we actually started thinking about it in around 2009 when the Great Recession, well, not the Great Recession, the, the recession that we had back in that time. And we were inspired by a book by Mark Friedman called Encore. And basically, Friedman's premise is that we're looking at the boomer generation coming along and that many people are feeling that we go into decades ahead that the boomer generation is going to drain the assets of the country through uh, health care costs and that type of thing. And Friedman really kind of turned that thinking on its head and said, the boomer generation and other generations coming behind it who are going to be going into their into their 40s or 50s or 60s mm-hmm. these are people that want to that that a are one of the most educated generations of 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 the history That's in america true. and one of the also the the healthiest generations compared to their counterparts in the 60s and the 50s and that type of thing. And that also this generation is looking to stay engaged and is looking to have social impact. And yes, you know, many people are looking for the golf course, but that's not all they want to do. They want it. It's an engaged generation. Basically, we have a a very good relationship with Encore.org, which is the national organization that Friedman, Mark Friedman, had uh, founded. And although we're not part of Encore, uh, I remember a conversation with them where we said we both believe in the same movement. They've been uh, Mm -hmm. strong allies of us as we've developed our program. And we said, could we, you know, we want to share this name Encore. And actually, uh, since that time, over the last decade, there's been other Encore-like programs developed. There's Encore Boston. There's Encore Tampa Bay. There's a, a listing of those. And all of us are separate and independent. Like, our program is from the, is, is a program of the University of Connecticut. And but we have a same motivation of helping people that are getting into their second half of life to help them find, you know, the, the next path they want to sure. take. Yes. No, I, I didn't mean to talk to you, but I think you were kind of going there anyway. I was kind of curious. I'm sure you, you, you see different types of people. 
you know, that come into this program. And I'm curious, you know, and I'm sure it runs the gamut, but for the most part, the people that kind of are attracted to this or approach you about entering this type of program, do you think that they might've always had an inkling or a desire to do nonprofit work, but maybe, you know, they were kind of indoctrinated. I got to get a good job and make a lot of money, but always had that feeling or is it, is it also a little bit, Hey, I've done the corporate world. I'm kind of done with it. And I want to do something that makes a difference. Yes. But I think you'd like more detail than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little. <laughs> um, so with our program here in Connecticut, we are specifically dedicated to helping seasoned corporate professionals transition to nonprofit work and missions and jobs moving into the nonprofit sector. So we looked for a person who has the passion to make that move. You know, we, we've got basically two sets of individuals. We have, you know, our programs are run on Saturday. So, and I can describe a little bit more about the program and how that's, you know, how it's structured. But we have uh, individuals who are looking to make that move in a year or so. And we have individuals that are have been either dislocated from their current position and they're looking for work. Right. But what we look for is is are two things. Yeah. Uh, one is a passion to actually move into the nonprofit sector, and the other are skill sets that can be of benefit to the sector. Sure. And really, basically. Any type of job that is being done in uh, the managerial end of the corporate sector has a transferable or a counterpart job in the nonprofit sector. You know, that's a good point. And what, what would you say the lowest age range typically would be? Like, do you get people in their, you know, low to mid 30s or is it yeah. mostly, you know, 40s and 50s, number one? And then let's talk about, you know, I used to have a friend that worked at PBS and PBS, obviously nonprofit and you know, the image that you get is these people dialing for dollars around things like Downton Abbey and all these popular shows uh, mm -hmm. that bring in a lot of money. But he used to say something to me. Uh, he said when the first day he got there, he was told, yes, we're a nonprofit, but it doesn't mean we're non-revenue. We like that. We like revenue. And there are a lot of people, yeah. you know, at PBS whose job was very similar to a salesperson, if not harder, because they were selling something that wasn't as tangible as here's your, you know, IBM copier, Mr. Smith. So I guess two questions is what is kind of the lower age and or education? Yeah. Is it okay to just have a bachelor degree or do they usually look for advanced degrees? Let's talk about well, education first. We've had uh, individuals as young as 28 and as young as 72 okay. come into our program. And uh, I will say the sweet spot is around 50. Okay. And usually that is the time that individuals are starting to think about what do I want to do in my last 10 years in my, in my uh, career? And what I often hear from individuals is that they've been with companies and, you know, it's, it's been a good life and that type of thing. But they feel they, they want to give back and have something, do something that is having a, a more of a social impact. I mean, and that's great because, you know, my question is, do they often look to get in a nonprofit that's very highly targeted to what their interests are? So maybe they've always had, a, you know, 
um, um, interested in the field of medical or pharma or, you know, helping people like with mental illness or whatever, or for some of these people, is it, you know what, as long as it's nonprofit and, you know, mo I mean, every nonprofit has something good that they do. Is that okay for them? Or do they more try to, are they more kind of willing to wait it out? Cause I really want a nonprofit that's in this exact vertical. The majority of the people are in, in a discovery mode. Okay. They're not sure exactly what type of nonprofit they want to land into. Uh, the, the, but also there are some individuals, not as many, who have a specific laser-like focus. They know what they want to be doing. Now, let me talk about, about that first. Yeah. Uh, we had one individual who was in commercial real estate and had been doing that for a good 25 years. And he wanted to work in affordable housing. He wanted huh. to take the skill set that he has in, in the housing area and bring that over to into the affordable housing area. And so he was very laser-like and he knew what he was going for. And, and that does help because we really focus on helping people uh, develop networks within the fields they're looking to, to move into. The majority of folk aren't really sure. They might say, you know, I'm interested mm -hmm. in potentially working with the elderly or potentially working with children or education is a key issue. Uh, you know, they can list off sort of their top four, the environment, what mm -hmm. have you. But they're using Encore as a discovery mode. And, and this might be a good time to kind of describe uh, kind of like what, what the program is. Yeah. How, yeah. how it's structured. And, and how do you get in? Like, does everybody get in? I'm sure not, right? There's a limited space. So what are their criteria? You know, is interviews, uh, essays or anything like that? Yes to both of that. But do you go as far uh, back I'll, as GPA from... 1984. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want to go back to my GPA in okay. 1984, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that on someone else. Okay. But, well, let me first d describe what the, what the program is in, in, okay. in a quick thumbnail. Sure. And then we can talk about, you know, how people get in. So the program itself has two major components. The, the, the key component overall, holistically, is to immerse the person in the nonprofit sector. Many people either have donated, maybe they've been on boards, maybe they've volunteered, and they've seen one side of the nonprofit sector, but they haven't really seen the operational side. So everything that we do is with that, that laser focus of immersing the person in the sector. And within that, we have two components. One is education. We have Saturday programs where we bring in uh, top practitioners from the nonprofit sector to come in and, and meet with our, we call them fellows, our Encore fellows, okay. Encore Connecticut fellows. And that is where the education comes in. And we'll, we will have you know, a couple of hours on accounting, a couple of hours on strategic planning. All in all, they'll be close to about 50 hours of training. But the thing is, let me take strategic planning as an example. Okay. The majority of the people that are coming through Encore are, many of them are, are vice presidents or assistant vice presidents within insurance companies, all different fields. So these are people that 
have are very seasoned and bring a very good resume, very good background to the table. And when we talk about strategic planning, I mean, basically to a person, they've all done strategic plans before. It's about the nuanced differences between for-profit strategy and planning and nonprofit strategy and planning. The same with accounting. It's the difference in uh, how the difference in for-profit accounting and nonprofit accounting. And what we try to do is give them that 3,000 foot level view of the sector itself and how it, how it operates. I mean, when we have two or three hours dedicated to nonprofit accounting, you're not going to learn nonprofit accounting in two or three hours. Right. But you're going to get, we work on a, on a sense of understanding the, the key tenets of, of nonprofit accounting so that what we're looking to do is to help the, the individual, the fellow feel more comfortable in, in the nonprofit space and understand it. So that's on okay. sort of, that's on sort of the, the educational theoretical end. Then we put them right in the sauce. We put them <laughs> right, right into the frying pan. Okay. This is with the Encore Fellowship. And with this fellowship, they go into a nonprofit and they actually work on a project, a strategic project at that nonprofit. And the whole goal of that is A, for them to be able to put something on their resume. And I want to say we also work with them on their resume because many, many of them have corporate resumes which never mention volunteer activity or stuff like that. So right. what's, what's attractive to a nonprofit in resume is, is sometimes different than what's attractive to a, a corporation. In a typical corporate resume, you would have maybe, maybe at the bottom, a, a line, volunteer my community, right. something to that extent. For us, we want to get the detail of that. If you've helped an organization raise funds, that's an actual asset in the nonprofit sector. So we, we help re, retool resumes. And then we also have a very strong component in helping people with interviewing within the nonprofit sector. Uh, because many of them haven't interviewed in like 20 years. Sure, sure. And I have a quick but, question on that project. Yeah, sure. you, know, you, said, you said some people are still working and some people are in between or you know, mm -hmm. maybe have gotten you know, reorged or whatever. For the people that are still working or even for the ones that aren't, and let's just say before COVID for the sake of argument, did, they, the necess sake, yeah. Yeah, did yeah. they necessarily go in uh, to the building and offices and work or was it a virtual thing? And if they are working or currently working, were there some you know, things made so maybe they took a vacation week or something to go into the office and meet people? Because like you said, that's part of you know, the networking and getting them immersed into one organization is probably pretty attractive. But was it an in-person thing where they would work there? For the person who is currently not working, the fellowship is pretty much a 30-hour-a-week being there at the nonprofit and working with them, Got really it. immersing. For the individual who is currently working and, you know, is planning for this move in the future, it's more of a consultancy and more of a, you know, meeting with the board at night 
or meeting with the CEO or having lunch with someone, mm-hmm. uh, having meetings on occasion. So yes, you'd be taking some time out of work, right? but you're not spending your entire day there. It's more on, as I said, sort of a, you know, a consultancy type format. Now, in currently COVID and what we're doing actually with our current, we currently have a class of 30 Encore fellows right now. They're going to be graduating on November 7th. We're going to be starting a new class uh, come January 7th, and that's going to run through April on alternating Saturdays. And all of this and what, what the current class has had to do is everything is virtual due to the pandemic. Right. So anyway, we've had an entire class that we actually, we met for the first day as, as a group early March, and then, then the pandemic hit and everything got closed off. So we've been doing virtual live Zoom meetings, bringing in practitioners and, and teaching them through Zoom. But also their fellowships have been, have been done remotely. Sure. And I'm happy to say it's been very successful. I, I think just like everything, every other component that's going on in the world, we've all adapted. And the nonprofits and the fellows have been able to adapt doing their work remotely. Got it. So it's worked out rather nicely. Cool. And I have, I know you've been doing this for a number of years, we know. So, and I, you mentioned yesterday that, you know, when we spoke that you are still in touch with, uh, you know, former graduates of the program that are, you know, yep. working at nonprofits now. And I don't want you to put words in anybody's mouth, but you talk to them enough. What do you think, you know, the average person that is in a nonprofit now and maybe been there for a year, two or three and was in the corporate mm-hmm. or public sector? You know, what do you think that, that they would say were the biggest or more. We, we, uh, surprises yeah. going from one to the other? First off, uh, surprise maybe uh, more on this end. We've yeah. got a 97% retention rate. We have, again, we've been doing this since 2010. I just learned of a, one of our fellows who just retired from the nonprofit oh. sector who they were there since 2010. But basically... It's not so much they get into it and they're like, oh, my gosh, I, did, I wasn't expecting that. And, I, and I, I didn't mean the question like that. Like, I no. was surprised as positive and negative. Like, I didn't know I'd get so much out of this. I wish I would have done it five years sooner or not, you know, that type of thing, too. But the thing is what we really try to prep them in and what they understand is you're going to do the same type of work you did in the corporate sector – only with less resources. You're going to have the tougher job. You've got to be in it for the passion of the work that you're doing. And that's also part of our interview process. We look for individuals that understand, and we we are very upfront, that working in the nonprofit sector, you're, you're going to get a good income, but you're going to have more of a challenge yeah. when it comes to the work that you're doing. Maybe not as big and of a staff, right? Like, you know, a lot of these. Not as much people, of a staff. Yeah. You're going to be wearing many hats often. You know, the smaller the nonprofit, the more hats you're going to be wearing. And a lot of times this. I think in sales, in nonprofit, it's called business development. And you mentioned yesterday, it's really, 
sales, whether it's getting donations right in front. Are you familiar with the Doe Fund? Have you heard of No, I'm not familiar with the Doe Fund. It's down here in New York City, and they uh, try to get jobs for men and women that are coming out of drug rehabilitation clinics. And probably, yeah, so he wasn't selling a car. He was selling, you know, labor that many people would, you know, maybe not think of hiring. And uh, now they did get some tax benefits from the city, you know, the more people that they hired and tried out, but they had to, it wasn't free. You know, they had to pay these people the normal wages, but they did get some tax credits. But, you know, you can imagine what he was experiencing on the phone. Hi, I'm from the Doe Fund. We'd like you to hire uh, former drug addicts. You know, I mean, that was, he had a much better pitch than that. Uh, I'm sure he, I'm sure he did. Yeah. (laughs) And he became good at it. And he went from, he kind of did the reverse. He went from the nonprofit to the profit center in corporate sector, but he felt very fulfilled. He really did. Uh, because yeah. he can see the fruits of his work and he wore many hats because once they got hired, he had to go and, you know, sit with them and talk with them on their first day of work. You know, everybody that was hired. So he did wear many hats. That's very true. And, you know, when we talk about the nonprofit sector and you talk about like this gentleman who is in development yeah, uh, in raising the funds, what you're asking people to do is it's about investment. It's just like if you take the Silicon Valley venture capitalist type of mode, but but turn it a little bit on its head, you're asking people to invest in a nonprofit because the nonprofit is working to create an impact, a positive impact on the community. And that's what the donor's investing in. And it's interesting. You, you bring up that one example. I can give you an example of one of our fellows who did that very same thing. He was in a whole food uh, seafood sales for 30 years. His name's Al Marino. And he came in, I think he was in our 2016 class. But Al is now working as the development and event director for FoodShare in Connecticut. So he went from selling fish and seafood Mm -hmm. to basically uh, helping people get food on their tables. And he was able to transition his skill sets from the sales mode in, in Whole Food Sales to development and helping to raise funds right. for, again, dealing with food, but yeah. now it's about raising funds to put food on people's tables. Yeah. So if we had a pie chart of the people that graduated and went into nonprofit you know, whether it's administration, HR, biz dev, corporate development, getting the funds, would it, how, how would that part pie chart look? Would you say? Wow. It would have a lot of different slices. (laughs) Uh, I mean, we have now, although, or what slice might be the biggest and what slice might be the smallest? Cause I don't want to put you on the spot and tell me all the slices, but yeah, but I, I would say the slices really are uh, focused on, on the management side. Okay. I mean, we have graduates who are the chief human resource officers for a nonprofit director of development. We've got a director of strategic planning. The but even the CEOs and be- nonprofits are revenue are expected to bring in revenue. Whereas, you know, we were talking about Rhode Island and I went up there years ago to meet the CEO of, of CVS up there. And I don't think anybody was expecting him to actually bring in revenue as a salesperson. But you mentioned yesterday that oftentimes, you know, depending on the size of the nonprofit, the CEO is a revenue generating role that's supposed to, a part of their job is yeah, to be it's out part there. Of their and, job. Yeah, yeah. It's part of their job. But in going with 
you know, you're looking at the different types of positions that, that our graduates have ended, have, you know, found themselves in and have landed. Uh, it reminds me of, of another story. This is a gentleman named Roy Minnelli. And Roy was working for, I want to say, uh, well, it was one of the major aircraft defense manufacturers here in Connecticut. And so he was doing that for 30 years. And he was in charge of hiring people and having the manufacturing uh, done. Sometimes that manufacturing might happen in, in other countries. And he is now the director of what's called economic security for a program called Journey Home. Okay. And Journey Home is dealing with individuals who are re-entering society from incarceration, individuals who have been homeless, and helping them basically start to build their, their lives back up. So what Roy does now is he is in charge and he's developed this program with Journey Home to help these individuals get training so that they can go on the manufacturing lines of these defense manufacturers and manufacturing employers. So that was something that was, he actually created the job, but that's just another example of, you know, where some of our graduates land. Let's just talk quickly about the types of nonprofits that not only benefit, but how do you, how does your program find the nonprofits to place these, not really place, but for that fellowship program, for those yeah. projects? Do they find out about you? Do you have some type of information, you know, because uh, it sounds like there's a lot of benefit in there. They can, you know, look at people, like kind of try before you buy. They can get some yeah. free help and consultative services and, you know, for very little, if not nothing. And then, uh, but how do you find them or do they come to you or how does that happen? Well, part of it now is we're going into our 11th year. So we've got some street cred out there. Right. Good. Basically, like my main job at the university is directing the internship program for the Department of Public Policy and the nonprofit leadership program. So I came into Encore not thinking I want to develop a program for uh, people who are uh, 50, 50 plus. Right. It was more of I wanted to develop a program that would help the human resources of the nonprofit sector, help develop that. And so I've been working with nonprofits myself for the last 20 years. And so I got me a database. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, cool. literally what we do usually about four or five months before a new program is going to start we use our database of close to 1,500 nonprofits in Connecticut, and we let them know that Encore is starting. And what it is, the nonprofits are assessing, first of all, it's a very low fee for the nonprofit. It's like $150 oh, okay. uh, for them to have someone to come in to give them two plus months of expertise on their end. So the nonprofits are very, are very intrigued by that because at this point now we have usually 
like right now we have 30 uh, fellows in this current class and we've had 60 nonprofits that were vying for the 30 fellows. And although we want to, we're not in a situation where we would love to be able to, to supply a fellow for every nonprofit that, uh, mm-hmm. that applies. So what the nonprofits do is that they submit an application that describes the type of project they have. And then what we do is that we have the fellows pick their top three, and then they go through an interview process. And the fellows interviewing the nonprofit and the nonprofits interviewing the fellow. But again, this is also another aspect. We're getting the fellows back into interviewing. Right. Again, which many of them haven't done for 20 years. Right. So it's sort of a, uh, a self-selection on where a fellow lands in, in the work that they're doing. Well, and it's, it pays to have that database. And then we have listeners and users from all over the country. And with those 1,500 nonprofits in the Connecticut area, I'm sure you draw from New Jersey and Massachusetts and Rhode Island and most of New England. But if somebody, let's say, lives in Nebraska and they've been working at some, yeah. I don't yeah. want to generalize, but some for-profit corporate thing in, in Nebraska and they want to kind of stay in Nebraska. Now, you did mention there's a couple of national programs or does yeah. your program accept people from that far away, even though your contacts, like, what would you tell somebody that yes. lives in Nebraska or Oklahoma, the best way to kind of do this where they live? Well, there's two things. One, I will say that Encore.org has a national program, but we also, in our next class coming up, which starts January 7th, we're accepting applications now. This is going to be a total live virtual type of training. And also the fellowships are going to be done remotely. So we can work right now with anyone in the country. And we are getting inquiries from Washington, D.C., from New Jersey, as you said, We currently have someone in our class who's from uh, Massachusetts. Really, the state boundaries don't matter because we can work with them in finding a nonprofit. If if they're in Omaha, Nebraska, we can uh, connect with a nonprofit. I can work with the nonprofits out there. Oh, you could. Connect them with a fellowship. Oh, yeah. That's okay. So either you or Encore.org. Either one, and they should probably check out both and just like yeah, uh, the yeah. differences. Encore.org is a little bit different. I know we're running, but uh, their program is just a little bit longer, I think, and a little bit. It's yeah. a little longer. Our program is in order to enroll in our program, it's $2,950. Although we do have scholarships from AARP Connecticut. Uh, Encore.org is a longer program. I think it runs six months uh, to a year. And in their engagement, the pricing is different. You'd have to check out uh, their program itself. And, you know, I have two more questions for you. The first one is, and feel free to answer it however you like, of course. But since you're talking to people at a transitionary period professionally, do you find that many of them or some of them are also, you know, transitioning in other ways, whether it be physically, mentally, spiritually, or even relationships. I'll just give you an example. In the last episode we had, we had a, a gentleman, Rick O'Leary, who at age 41 was you know, smoking a pack of cigarettes a day for the last 20 years and you know, had a meeting with his doctor and he didn't have anything wrong. But his doctor kind of said, you know what, probably not a great idea to keep on doing that. And he quit that day and transformed his life 
in three different ways. He uh, he became a, a kickboxer, uh, Asian uh, martial arts kickboxer, became uh, interested in, in animal and dog photography, and met the love of his life. And he tr- attributes most of that to that one decision uh, of quitting smoking and leading a, a healthier life. So I guess I'm curious is, you know, do you, do you get a sense that people are making other transitions when you're talking to them about when they're exploring doing this? That's my first question. The people that are attracted to the nonprofit sector and are attracted to Encore Connecticut in order to get into and to be part of the nonprofit sector is they're at a point they, they know they are ready to, at this point in their career, they want to do more. They want to have an impact on society. Whether that is helping one child or working on a movement or what have you. And they're at that point where it's sort of a black box in front of them to get from here to there. And they know they've got to make some transitions. And what they bring is a a passion. And Mm -hmm. what we're bringing in is sort of a structured direction to help them figure out what they want to be doing. So I know they're going through a transition and I know they're doing some real reflective thinking about their lives, their daily lives, but also what they want to be doing for their career and what, what they want to be doing here on the rest of the time they have on this planet. And especially within the time in their careers well, your contact info and things will be in the show notes on a Wisdom Essentials site. But if you kind of had to sum up what people are looking for and the, just a synopsis of what they get out of it, I think that would be a great way to end. And I'd probably go with our tagline. It's passion, purpose, and a paycheck. Hey! <laughs> are looking for something that they often say, some of the best jobs I've had is when I volunteered. Now I want to be doing it full-time. I want to right. create, I want to flip that volunteer to my full-time because that's where they really find their passion. That's what gets them up in the morning. And that's a transition they're looking to make. That's a, that's a good way to put it. And do we call you doctor, professor? How do we address you these days? Oh, uh, I got the three letters behind my name. So technically I'm a doctor. All but right. You call, but you can call me Dave. Dave Garvey. Uh, so basically, Encore Connecticut, part of the University of Connecticut Department of Public Policy. You can Google it. It'll be in the show notes and there'll be some more links and things like that. But we uh, we thank you for this time that we've had with you on this planet. And and hopefully we'll, we'll be able to talk again sometime. <laughs> and good luck with the rest of the students in this semester, the fellows and uh, and the ones coming in January. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much, Len. Wow, what an incredible program and an incredible man that helps people explore more about their passions in their career and turn them potentially to working for a nonprofit. I really hope you enjoyed the episode today with Dr. David Garvey. And again, we thank him for spending time with us. Now, if you go to the Wisdom Essentials website at wisdomessentials.com and click on Wit and Wisdom in the podcast area, you can find out more about Dr. Garvey and the Encore program. Now, if something like this is interesting to you, but you don't live all that close to Connecticut, that's totally okay. You see, there's a national Encore program, and it's located at Encore.org. And you'll see all the information about the national program on their site. 
Okay, so now you can feel free to go to wisdomessentials.com and browse their innovative CBD-based products. And if you want to make a purchase, nobody is going to stop you. And if you like the podcast, please give it a rating and share it with your friends. You can post it on social media, sites like Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, even Instagram. So from myself and all the folks at Wisdom Essentials, thank you for listening. And we're young and so